Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hi, thanks for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Claire Newell. She's an author and a travel expert. There's a new study we're going to talk with her about travel bucket list destinations. Also, Dan Vandell, he is the Liberal MP in St. Boniface and St. Vitale. He was part of an announcement today, Canada's first ever poverty reduction strategy. We'll see what that entails. And also, Rich Hanford on the Winnipeg Tattoo Convention. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. Bucket list travel destinations. Already lots of great emails and text messages and uh, phone calls about this. Joining us now is uh, a travel expert and author, Claire Newell. And we're talking about a new study. Good afternoon, Claire. Good afternoon, Hal. So this study takes a look at our travel bucket list destinations Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the biggest surprise for me, and we'll get into this, we got lots of time, but I think the biggest surprise for me is how millennials and boomers are so much different when it comes to travel. It's so interesting that you say that. So this new Leger study showed that, in a nutshell in my mind, that millennials, which are 18 to 34-year-olds, basically, right. they're bolder, they're braver, and they're also braggers. <laughs> so, um, compared to Generation X and boomers, they are far more adventurous. You know, I, I think of myself as a Generation Xer, and growing up, it was kind of beaches like in Hawaii, in yep. the Caribbean, or right. going to Europe to go to the, kind of the, the must-see places. So maybe London to see Big Ben and go to France, uh, go to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower, Italy, to Rome to see the Colosseum. The 18 to 34-year-olds, they're going much, much further afield. Yeah, like places like Japan and Southeast Asia. Like you said, they seem to be much braver in a sense. Yeah, they are. And now, keeping in mind that they're also very price conscious, and over the past 10 years, low-cost carriers, the ultra-low-cost carriers, the ones that would be like Ryanair or EasyJet or Southwest, like the true cheap and cheerful airlines, Mm. they have really opened up travel. They've opened up 10,000 new routes in 10 years, which is incredible. Places that we never used to go to that are so much easier to get to. And an example of that was I was going to Seville, uh, Spain, for a business trip, and I had heard that Ryanair had a flight to Marrakesh, Morocco, for 25, the equivalent of 25 bucks Canadian. And, of course, I went. No kidding. I'd never been. And we just wouldn't have thought of that. And so that combined with this whole Instagram and, well, social media effect that these 18 to 34-year-olds have grown up with, which I didn't. I mean, there wasn't even email right. with me growing up. Yeah. So I find that they want to kind of brag. They want to go places that they see their you know, the, the cool person who's just been to this place that we, no one's ever been to before. And we saw this take off with, for example, Iceland, um, Ireland. And they both become, they, they were really popular starting, say, four or five years ago. And now more and more people are going. So their parents and grandparents are now going there. Or they're going with their parents and grandparents on multi-generational trips to places that, 
the older generations would never have even thought about. An example of that would be Croatia. Hmm. You, think, you think about former Yugoslavia, for me growing up, 1991 to 1997, 98, no one was going there. It was a no. war zone, and now hmm. everybody's going there. Hmm. And it doesn't surprise me that you bring up, you know, social media because you're right. Instagram, people see stuff on Instagram now and they want it or they want to go there. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think about um, Croatia, uh, just bringing that back. Yeah. Dubrovnik was the site of, you know, the shame, shame, shame in Game of Thrones. <laughs> so if you don't watch that, you may not know what I'm talking about. But yeah. for the millions of people who watched that, that was inside the walls of Dubrovnik. And people flocked to get that Instagram p- picture there. And f- at first it was the 18 to 34-year-olds, and now it's everybody. It is so, so popular. And I also think that it's not just social media, Hal. I think that it's also, um, they're not afraid. They are bolder. Whereas my generation and the one above it, they were worried about making sure that they were safe, that they could easily get out if they needed to, Mm. that there were top-tier hospitals, that they weren't going to get sick. And this younger generation, they're like, oh, no problem. I know what to do, and I know how to get around all of this. So I do have some tips that I think I should share if you are going to go off the beaten path. And the first thing is you really do, if you've never been to the government's website for travel, you need to mark it in your favorites. And this should really be for any trip you're taking outside of Canada. It's travel.gc.ca. And the Canadian government wants us to go as travelers, as informed travelers. So you can actually check out safety and security information on that, entry and exit requirements, because so many of these places, you might need a visa or Mm. you might need extra validity on your passport, say three months or six months from the date you're leaving that country. Mm. Um, Health information is on there. Laws and culture, which come into effect. You know, if you're going to the United Arab Emirates, say to Dubai, you can't do a public display of affection without landing yourself a fine or even in jail. So really important to go to that site. The other thing, make sure all of your routine vaccinations are up to date. So if you don't know, like me, there's, there wasn't, you know, an online update about your vaccinations. There was paper copies in my mom and dad's file. Well, make sure your hepatitis A and B and your tetanus are up to date. And you should also consider something called Ducarol. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this no. protects you from E-Tech, E-T-E-C. It's a specific strain of E. coli bacteria, and you'll want to know that one because it's the most common cause of traveler's diarrhea, which so many of us are afraid of. Um, you should also pack a medical kit. So, you know, pain medication, cold medication, allergy, everything for, you know, cuts and things like that. Just take it with you. Leave a copy of your itinerary and passport with someone, which we've been talking about, you know, that's, that's on the list, has been forever. But you should also register your trip. Have you ever done this? No. Okay, hell, you're hurting my heart. Okay. Well, I haven't traveled a lot recently, so <laughs> okay. you got to cut me a bit of slack. But I'm glad you're on talking about this because I'm sure I'm not the only one. So go. I, okay, so travel.gc.ca, that website I told you about earlier, also allows you to register your trip with the Canadian government. It takes about three minutes. You need your passport number, your first and last name, the dates you're traveling, where you're going, and your contact information. And it comes into play if there's a natural disaster, political unrest, if something happens. Now, this could be a volcano exploding ash, a hurricane somewhere. So 
it's really important that you do this because they can help you. And mm. if they don't know where you are, you're not on their list to contact. So it's really, really important. Yeah. No, that's all great stuff, and I'm I'm glad you're you're bringing it all up. Can I go back to the survey for a second? We yes. talked about millennials and younger people. Let's go older. Let's talk uh, boomers and stuff for a minute. Like for example, boomers, according to this survey, more likely to cite a Canadian destination on their bucket list. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of Canadians and that older generation. They actually haven't traveled within their own country. They've done those Hawaii, Caribbean, Europe trips, mm-hmm. but they've never been to, say, PEI or to Churchill, Manitoba to see the polar bears. Right. Or, and I think that they are wanting to see that. And it really came into play last year for Canada's 150th birthday. There were lots of great deals to go and see all of these great sites across our own country. And it's also coupled with the fact that we now have a few more airlines to choose from, right. like Swoop or Flare. Yeah. So it's not costing quite as much as it used to be, because it used to cost as much to go across the country um, to travel kind of halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then I think that's coming into play. And then also in the study, Canadians 55 and older, like you said, that's the safe bunch. They like, uh, for example... 60% of them said Europe and 31% said the Caribbean. They're not talking Japan and, and you know, Thailand and Malaysia and the Philippines and, and Singapore like some of the younger people are. No, no, they're talking about Italy, the UK and France. So the older generation, they feel safe going to those destinations, kind of tried mm. and true, whereas that younger generation, that's kind of uh, oh, everybody's been there. I want to go somewhere different so I can have the bragging rights. And that's why we're seeing them go to the likes of Croatia, Scandinavia. So they, most of them, well, the, the avid travelers in that group, they've done Iceland. They've done Ireland. So they want to go where no one else is going. We're starting to see them actually go into Portugal. So I see that becoming a more popular destination. And certainly Scandinavia in fact, those who've done Scandinavia are going to places like the Faroe Islands, which is, if you don't know where that is, it's between Iceland and Norway. They're wanting to go off the beaten path. Mm. And if they're going to, say, uh, Switzerland, they're not going to go to Lucerne, or they'll do that quickly, but then they'll go to some little place like Vizay on Lake Geneva. They're going to these little secondary destinations outside of the hub. So they're getting the cheap flight to the hub and going further afield from there. It's really Hmm. interesting. Yeah, very interesting. One other note on this uh, survey, and then I'll let you wrap it up with uh, sort of some final thoughts here. I thought it was also interesting that uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in in India. I, I thought that would be sort of an exotic destination, but not that many people put that on their bucket list travel destinations. Right. This one's really interesting to me because we just had Justin Trudeau do his really well-documented trip to India. Mm. But that is a place where I, more than any other, I hear about the fear of what they call Delhi belly. And um, just, you know, it's a huge culture shock going to India. So the, the types of people that are going, they are adventurous. They are avid travelers who've kind of knocked off all the other things on their bucket list and want to see really the Golden Triangle, Delhi, Jaipur, and of course, Agra to see the Taj Mahal. But they want to do it and they want to do it five star. They want to do it with a guide who tells them where to eat. But there's some unbelievable deals like around the 
$2,600 and under, including tax, that are like eight and, ni- eight and nine night trips hmm. that include the flight, five-star hotels, and all of your meals with the guide. So they are really hoping to gain travelers, but that one... That's where you want to do the hepatitis A, B, tetanus, and Ducro right. before you go. <laughs> yeah. And China is another one where not a lot of people have it on their bucket list. Why is that? Again, just a little too out there maybe? Or? Well, I'm surprised by that one because I really love China. You know, going and seeing Beijing to see the pandas and the Great Wall and then going to Shanghai and see the terracotta warriors. Um I found it really a, a, an amazing trip. So that was much lower than I had expected, especially because there are so many cheap flights from Canada now, obviously out of Vancouver because it's the gateway to the Pacific. Um, but it's been, it's, it's half the price it was, say, five, six years ago because there's so many more flights, you know, the basic law of supply and demand. So that one was interesting to me. Uh, I think once you know, the millennials start to see that it's affordable, that destination will really pick up. Um, but interesting that on the current bucket list, it wasn't rated yeah. as high as expected. We are now, I'm looking at the countdown on the website right now. We are two days, 18 hours, 26 minutes and 40 seconds away from Winnipeg's second annual tattoo convention, and Rich Hanford is in studio to talk about it with us. Hi, Rich. Nice to see you. Hey, nice to see you, too. Get nice and close to that microphone so we can hear you. You bet. Nice to see you, too, Hal. Thanks for having me. You have a lot of ink, sir. I, I only have one tattoo, Hal. <laughs> it's just my entire one. body. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. When did this all start for you? Uh, it started for me in about 1989. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and it's just been a, a lifelong journey. Yeah, and now a business. and Absolutely. You know, I've raised three kids on doing tattoos, so it's provided quite the life for my family and myself. You must be. You must know what you're doing. Get a plug-in for your studio. Uh, I own and operate uh, Capella Tattoo in St. Fatel on nice. St. Anne's Road, and yep. we have a, a great crew of tattooers there. Uh, any from, anyone from Winnipeg is welcome to stop by anytime and check out our work. Great. So the convention's coming up, second annual. First year must have went well. You're doing it again. Absolutely. We're back, bigger and better than ever before. So we uh, are ecstatic. We have over 275 artists coming from around the world. Artists coming from as far as Beijing, Hong Kong, Australia, Norway, Sweden, Great Britain, from PEI to Vancouver Island, from New York to Florida. Wow. It seems to me like Winnipeg has a lot of tattoo artists. Is that the case? I mean, for, for per capita, it seems like we've got a lot. Oh, we do. And, and that's the case everywhere. But, you know, uh, I think Winnipeg tattooers are, are often underrated. I think here in Winnipeg, our tattoo community is world class. Mm-hmm. So this is a great chance for uh, Manitoba, Manitoban tattoo artists to shine on the international stage. And it's a great opportunity for us to welcome our peers from around the world here to Manitoba and show them what we have to offer as Manitobans. Yeah. Will some of these visiting tattoo artists be actually doing tattoos while they're here? Every artist at the show is doing tattoos on the general public house. Wow. It's basically like setting up 275 tattoo shops at the Red River X. Isn't that cool, eh? It is amazingly cool. Yeah. And then, of course, other stuff going along with this. You're doing a charity. There's an angle for charity. Talk about that. Talk about some of the entertainment because 
um, you know, people want to go and check out the various uh, artists and maybe look at some of the different ink they might want to get on their body. But then while they're there, there's other stuff. Absolutely. Well, our, our charity this year, again, is the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. And what we do for mood disorders is we set up our Marked for Life campaign. I think a lot of people uh, use tattooing as a form of recovery in their mental health challenges. Uh, and people like to mark and comm- commemorate milestones in their lives. Right. So Marked for Life is an initiative where over 30 of the visiting artists donate their time. We tattoo the general public uh, by donation on a first-come, first-served basis. So we have lots of pre-designed tattoos. People can come to the Red River X, pick one, get tattooed. 100% of the proceeds go to the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. Those funds stay here in Winnipeg and go to mental health programming here in the city. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. And Mood Disorders, they're on this show all the time. Once a month they come in and, and I know they, were, you know they do great work. So, I mean, it's obviously a, a, a great cause. And, and you're right. I think people that have challenges in life, and and some we have, big, you know, some of us have bigger challenges than others. But we have challenges in life, and sometimes that tattoo we see every day reminds us of strength, somebody that mattered to us, right? Absolutely, all, all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's a it's a great partnership you've got there. Oh, I agree. You know, you can look at me, and I have tattoos because I love the art and I mm. love the composition. But a simple cancer ribbon can have more power to a survivor. Yes. Yeah. So. And are there, uh, you're being, you know, you you do this for a living. So are there people that come in? I I read one uh, someplace not long ago saying that the most popular tattoo is like a butterfly or something. Is that true or? or... Oh, butterflies are pretty iconic. Yeah. Absolutely. They're they're up there in in the list of things that people like. Uh, I think with most people, particularly when you haven't made that leap to getting a tattoo, uh, in general, people lean towards things of permanence. So it's usually family, uh, nationality, religion, things of those nature, that that nature for your first tattoo. Yeah. but man, are we excited for this weekend, Hal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My wife just got a, a tattoo, and it it looks great on her. And it blows me away that you guys can take somebody. Somebody will come in, and they'll say, "Well, I kind of want this, this, and this." And then she goes back, and they've got a couple sketches to pick from. And it, it, you guys truly are artists. If people don't think you are artists, you guys are all artists. You're amazing at what you do. Hey, thank you, Hal. Yeah. Like, Honestly, as artists, I don't think there's a better profession in the world. I, I count myself lucky every yeah. day that uh, I get to work with wonderful people and we get mm-hmm. to bring their ideas to life in yeah. the form of a permanent tattoo. Yeah. So you're doing it for mood disorders. Tell us about the entertainment. Uh, the entertainment. Well, obviously, you know, the Winnipeg Tattoo Convention at its heart and soul is a tattoo convention. Mm-hmm. But we do have something to offer for everyone. Uh From a serious collector to someone who's just curious, you can come down to the show. We have an outdoor main stage uh, featuring bands such as The Perpetrators, uh, Red Moon Road, Romy Mays. Uh, We have outdoor beer gardens and outdoor vendor markets. Uh, so there's something for the whole family. We have over 18 musical and cultural performances over the weekend. Mm. And it looks like you're going to have nice weather, too, for the stuff that is outside, eh? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. Like I said, it's uh, now two days, 18 hours, 20 minutes, and 32 seconds away. It's the Winnipeg Tattoo Convention, second annual at Red River Exhibition Park. Rich, thanks a lot for coming in.
Dan Vandell is the MP for St. B and St. Vitale, and he joins us on the phone now. Hi, Dan. Hey, Hal. How are you? Great. Have you had a chance to get up to Winnipeg Beach? Are you Winnipeg Beach or Sandy Hook? I'm uh, I'm in Sandy Hook, actually. Ah, yeah. okay. My wife loves it there, so I have to go uh, go there to uh, visit her. There, there you go. Well, today you were busy. You had an announcement. Tell us what you had to say today. Canada's well, first ever poverty reduction strategy. Yeah. Today, uh, we had a, a significant national announcement where uh, we introduced Canada's first ever poverty reduction strategy, a long-term, multi-dimensional strategy that builds on our past investments, our future investments to reduce poverty uh, across this country. What's different about this uh, policy, Hal, is that uh, we are going to introduce the uh, the Poverty Reduction Act in Parliament in in the fall when we return to Ottawa, and this is the first time that uh, it's act- the Poverty Reduction Plan, a Poverty Reduction Plan, has been introduced as an actual act, which means that uh, we are going to uh, have uh, an official poverty line uh, that's going to become. Uh, law based on this bill uh, when it's approved. The poverty line is going to be based on a market uh, basket approach. Uh, The Act will uh, have some very, very concrete uh, poverty reduction targets. We'd like to reduce poverty by 20% by 2020, as well as 50% by 2030. Uh, That's compared to 2015 when we were first elected. Uh, As well, we are going to have a National Advisory Council on Poverty, which will be uh, people that are living in poverty, people that are uh, working with organizations that are working with uh, people in poverty to provide advice to the government on what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. So in, in, in effect, what we're doing is entrenching an official poverty line, entrenching the targets we want to meet, as well as the National Advisory Council. Uh, so that that is something that uh, is new and something that's going to hold us accountable over the next few years. I think that's been part of the problem in the past, Dan. I was saying earlier when I was talking about you coming on today, listen, we all talk about poverty. We know it's a problem. We want to try and turn, turn things around. But for whatever reason, we haven't had a lot of success. And, and maybe setting some goals will yep. help us do that. And... and uh I absolutely agree. Uh, First of all, there's different ways to measure poverty. Uh, We're using the market basket measure because, uh, one, it's internationally recognized, and two, there's some flexibility that allows uh, different regions to have different levels of when people get into poverty. And if you don't know what you're measuring, or if you're not measuring what you're trying to do, how do you know you're actually making improvements? So... And and even more so than measuring, Al, is that this is a bill of parliament that's going to be on the public record, and uh, we're confident we're going to meet all of our targets. But if we're not, we know that there's going to be... there's going to be organizations, there's going to be citizens, there's going to be the, the opposition parties that are going to be asking why, why are you not doing what you said you're going to do? And so how do you tackle the problem? So we know it's a problem, you're going to set goals. How do we accomplish those goals, Dan? Well, I think we've uh, we've got a, a tremendous start uh, across Canada. When we were elected in 2015, we uh, we implemented the Canada Child Benefit uh, to replace for, uh, former child benefits. Now, uh, unlike the previous program, the Canada Child Benefit actually gives uh, support 
to people that need it. We're no longer sending checks to people that are making a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year in income. So the less you make, uh, the more benefit you actually get. So it's more generous as well. And probably the best part is that if a single mother gets six hundred dollars a month for Canada Child Benefit, she gets to keep all of that money. It's not taxed back at the end of the year. So that's something that's new, and it's making a difference. And uh, I can tell you that uh, in my own constituency of St. Boniface, St. Vital, there are over 15,000 children that are benefiting from the Canada Child Benefit, uh, which uh, translates into over $5 million back in the families that live in St. Boniface, St. Vital. And I, 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 sorry to interrupt, Dave, yep. or Dan, but I think that's part of it, right? But yep. there has to be more to it. I mean, this is a complex problem, isn't it? It's very complex. Uh, there has to be more to it. That's a good start. That actually got, poverty has been reduced for the first time in, in my memory by about 1.5% since 2015. And I think that's because of the support to families. We are also, uh, uh, we've, we've enhanced the guaranteed income supplements uh, to help seniors that are living in poverty, especially single seniors. Uh, we've just introduced the Canada Workers Benefit that uh, is going to benefit those the, the working poor, that people that are working but can't seem to uh, get ahead. Uh, the Workers Benefit is going to help that, and we're launching a national housing strategy with a goal to end homelessness by 50% by 2030, I believe. So, But at the end of the day, Hal, I mean, you need a good job. Yeah, That's the best way to, to alleviate poverty, and... Uh, uh, we're fortunate that the economy is uh, is really uh, is it's as good as it's been over the last ten years. Unemployment is down, so uh, we need to make sure the economy keeps uh, humming. Yeah, in developing this strategy, Dan, did you guys talk to poverty organizations? Did you consult? Uh, how did you come up with this idea? There was all sorts of consultation across the country. There were uh, there was both uh, consultation in person and there was online consultation. Uh, we had roundtables in every province. We've talked to uh, people that work. Well, we talked to actual people that live in uh, in poverty day mm-hmm. in and day out. We've talked to the organizations that uh, that uh, tr- that are trying to help, such as Seed Winnipeg and a multitude of other organizations across the country. And uh, there were there was uh, there certainly was a lot of consultations. Well, Dan, I appreciate you telling us about it. I give you credit for setting goals because you're right. Others now will hold you accountable, right? They're going to say, hey, you said this, and if that doesn't happen, you're going to get an earful. Cal, we have every intention. We're very confident we're going to meet those goals. But if we don't, we know people are going to be asking us tough questions. Dan, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dan Vandell, he is the MP for St. Bonavis and St. Vitell, and he joins us now on uh, the government's First ever, Canada's first ever poverty reduction strategy. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.